Guys, people, on today's show, I'm going to make an attempt to tackle one of the most controversial topics in the world. And I didn't want to do it by myself because I know somebody going to be mad. So I called up two of my friends, Matt and Dud, to join the show. And we're going to talk about Booker T. Washington's book entitled Up From Slavery. This is what I consider one of the number one remedies against the victim mentality in our community and in the world. It's from a former slave, so you got to, you, you got to respect it. Sit back, relax, enjoy inspiration, the inspiration. Inspire guys, people. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggled to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your genes. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire Guys People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Now, I'm going to be all the way real with y'all. I just had this whole little 15-minute intro leading into the interview and the phone call that I'm having with my homeboys today because I really wanted to try to, like, have a disclaimer and, like, you know, explain, like, all right, this is the approach we take in to this controversial topic and you know it's hard not to make somebody mad when you have these type of co- uh i can talk yes i can y'all i can talk so but i changed my mind right this is what i've been working on and look this is you know you listen to this show and i get to be honest with you you be honest with me i'm working on not always explaining myself you know what i'm saying that's that's something like an issue that i feel like i've always had because I genuinely want to be understood. That's like a a huge desire of mine. That's why I try really hard to properly articulate things. But ultimately, you know what? It's like, no, like, I'm not going to explain myself. I'm going to stand on what I believe. Uh, The things we're going to talk about today um, out of Booker T. Washington's book are things that I believe. And I called up two of my homeboys to come on the show and address a topic that I believe the world, uh, I believe the world has been leading and Christians have been sitting back because we're scared to address things and insert God in the Bible. And, you know, hey, we're doing it respectfully. But at the end of the day, man, like I'm a leader. By the grace of God, I'm a leader. I'm growing as a leader. And I'm not going to overly explain myself. So I just erased 15 minutes of me, like, overly explaining to y'all. And we're not going to do that. You're going to enjoy this by the grace of God. Hopefully, if you receive it well. If not, just listen to all the other episodes leading up to this. And you'll get to learn about me and like, oh, understand my approach. If you're a new listener, because these type of episodes always draw new listeners or sometimes spectators and things like that. I still love you. Check me out at um, JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. Shoot me a note if you want to. But I'm about to play a quick snippet of a song. We're going to play a little half of the song before the interview. And as the interview goes out, we're going to end with it. The song is entitled Leaders of the Free. I believe I wrote this uh, song and my my producer, uh, Red, uh, produced this song. Maybe around 2015, we did this song. And uh, it's called Leaders of the Free. I'm not going to even overly explain that. Um, Check it out. I think it's, you know, it makes sense for this particular episode. There's only one way to find this song and listen to it um, in its entirety. That is by Googling J-Will Music. J-W-I-L Music. All one word. J-W-I-L Music. 
Leaders of the Free. Google it. You'll see it on my Bandcamp page and you can listen to the entire song. But right about now, I hope you enjoy this song. And I hope you really, really are blessed by the content of this episode. From slavery to bravery, triumphant soldiers, I salute you. So deserving when a King David's 30. Your story changed me. I know it's time to face my fears. But how can I do that if I can't face my peers? If you knew me, you don't know me. And if you know me, you probably only know the new me. The leader of the free. The leaders are the free, and the home of the slaves, here to set them free. The leaders are the free, the leaders are the free, and the home of the slaves, we here to set them free. We here to set them free. For the ones that know that their children are their legacy, so they teach them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding for longevity. They are the leaders of the free. The leaders are the free. Creeping, sneak peeking your weakness. I ain't even gotta rap no more. I just speak it. I'm a speaker in your speakers with some spoken word featured on my t shirt. And I bow down to Jesus. Yo, you just heard a quick snippet of my song entitled Leaders of the Free by yours truly, J Will Music. The only way you can hear that is by Googling J Will Music, Leaders of the Free, and you can check it out on Bandcamp. Yeah, if you knew me, you don't know me. And if you know me, you only know the new me, the leader of the free. Leaders of the free, the leaders of the free. In the home of the slaves, we here to set them free. Yo, let's get into this interview. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, I probably should let y'all know that I'm taking a quick vacation for a couple of weeks after this week's episode. So you could come back in two weeks. Well, you know, depending on when you hear this, we may be closer. You know, people listen to the show all the time, and I appreciate y'all. But um, it's nothing but love. Go back over the next couple of weeks while I'm not making shows and go listen to an episode that you never heard before because I promise you it's going to be just as relevant today as it is tomorrow and the week after that. I got to take a couple weeks, chill with my wife. We got to get up out of here, take a trip, do something fun. You know what I'm saying? It's been a long year. I've been grinding. She been working. Like, yeah, it's time for us to chill and we hadn't you know, had that, um, we had time, we do stuff, but you know what I'm saying? Like we like to get away. That's for us. That's our thing. Like we, we go and get away and we haven't done that in the last year. So yeah, it's time to get up out of here. And I need to kind of like, you know, regroup, get some rest and come back better than ever. Not that I'm not that good right now. All right, this is getting awkward. Let's get into the interview for real. Let me interview you. Here's what we going do. You gonna talk to me and I'm gonna talk to you. Maybe on the phone or possibly in person. Either way it goes, we gonna be talking purpose. All right, Lord God, we thank and praise you for this day, Lord. Thank you for my brothers, Matt and Doug, and bringing them uh, on the show for 
um, a really important conversation today, Lord. We pray that you guard our heart, guide our hearts, our minds, um, our tongues, Lord God. Let us speak to give you glory, Lord God. Um, let us articulate, Lord, to edify your saints and your people. And I pray, Lord, that this message um, really does inspire your people, really does give them a new perspective, a different point of view, a Christian point of view um, on a lot of the issues and race and tension that we see today, Lord. Ultimately, it is our goal to preach and speak your gospel, Lord, the gospel that unites us all, regardless of the color of our skin and our ethnicity and where we hail from, Lord. And we pray that your people across all nations, Lord God, begin to hear and share and spread your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, man. We are here live on the show, Inspire God's People. I got my two brothers with me, man, my homeboys, um, Doug and Matt. Yo, what up, Matt? This is let, Let's start with Matt. Matt, this is your first mm -hmm. time on Inspire God's People. What's up, bro? Man. I've been trying to figure out when you're going to invite me on the show. You know, I started getting depressed. Right. You know, I started thinking in my mind, what did I do to this guy? But, um, you know, I, I'm good now. I'm on. Yeah, all, on. all is yeah, well, man. All, all has been forgiven. You know what I'm saying? So you you good hey, hey, now. That's what, it's, that's what it's about. And, Doug, welcome back, bro. We uh we had yeah, a, a dope on? conversation, man, um, about some of your experiences growing up um, on a, on a previous yeah. episode. So how you feeling today, bro? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Um, I'm 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 excited to talk about what we about to talk about. So, I yeah. think it's good to have Matt on, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you did to Matt, or Matt did to you to not let you to not let him on your show. But I'm glad y'all figured that out, man. Cause yeah, Matt got a lot to offer, man. Matt got a lot. So, so I've heard. <laughs> a lot to offer. So I've heard. I've heard he got a lot to offer, but you know it was rough. <laughs> It was rough. It man, was rough, know. man. It was rough. Every, you know what, with Matt, my problem with Matt is, man, Matt is just like, um, he put pressure on you because he like the the uh prototypical, the poster child for like a husband and a father. Matt like put his yeah. phone on silent at, after yeah, six o'clock yeah. to have dinner with yeah, his family. Yeah. That, that's right, Matt. We can't find you after five thirty, dog. Where do you go? The only reason it's on silent is because I just put the baby down for a nap. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Prototypical father. There you hey, go. Hey, otherwise, it's going to be chaos in the background. So I don't need yeah. all of that. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. No, nah, no. Nah. Um, man, well, look, I brought y'all on the show today to talk about this book, Up From Slavery, uh, by Booker T. Washington, his autobiography. Uh, we all listened to this audio book this week, and we had some real organic conversations just amongst friends. And as we were yeah. talking and sharing like everything that we got out of the book i was like bro like i gotta bring these dudes on the show and this is content that we got to talk about so this is kind of like a book report or book review kind of remind me of like back in school when you read a book and then you kind of give a review on it so spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read the book uh, we definitely encourage you to read the book on your own but i also think you know i mean you might have already heard bits and pieces it's an autobiography so i think you can hear this show and still get a lot out of the book but we're going to jump right into it. Let's start with Matt, man, since he is the newcomer to the show. Um, let's kind of like, I guess, just start with like, you know, as you were like in the beginning chapters, what's some of the first um, couple of things that stood out um, in this book for you? Man, first of all, man, this book, this book is life changing, man. Like just listening to it from beginning to end, it's it's. 
you know, some of the ways that we think, man, and it challenges you and like in, in comparison to how it was back then to where it is now. But, you know, the beginning of the book, man, um, of course, it started off, it's, it's called Up From Slavery. So uh, it started off with him in slavery and it just, it talked about how hard things were and um, how normal it was for him <clears throat> in those times. There was a lot of things that stood out to me because a lot of the things that they deemed as normal, we would have been like, yo, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have made it the first day. <laughs> like, you know, that's it just sure shows enough. how much times has changed. But um, hearing some of the stories that he did, even as a youth, like he was like, I think, I believe nine years old when slavery ended. Mm -hmm. And um, hearing what he did from his one year old or whatever to nine years old like it's insane like a lot of us don't even do that in our adult age um waking up early at seven seven uh, seven o'clock in the morning sometimes even earlier not ending all the way to nine o'clock barely have a time with his mom <clears throat> to eat dinner and um sit down to actually uh, uh, uh commune with them you know talk mm -hmm. with them you know learn each other um, so those were some of the things early on that like really spoke to me like wow like this is their normal like for that to be their normal it's just crazy and yeah, notice, crazy. notice what you Matt what makes sense to me about this you would be paying attention to the work schedule <laughs> like yeah, you would be. Uncle, uncle Matt the first thing yo that's the crazy first, the first thing that stands hey. out to this man is how, <laughs> is how he was working bro <laughs> Hey, that's nutty, dog. Look, I'm scared of I'm scared of anything like that. Bro. You know, you you know what though? He the the story he told, even when he was younger, about how he had to ride the horse and bring the um yeah the um was it meal or rice? It was uh, cornmeal. 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 He had to get it to another plantation for them to be able to process it, so he can bring it back to the farm. Mm -hmm. And how he was how he that would take him all day because he was too small when the meal would fall yep. to gather it. You know what I'm saying? And then he would have to wait till somebody came to help him. So he would be out all day just doing one task. You know what I'm saying? And then he said he was scared on his way back if he did get a chance to get back because of two reasons. One, he had always heard when he was growing up that uh, that the, 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 the southern uh, um, soldiers who had escaped the war would cut his ears off yep. and, and while he was riding through the uh, forest or when he came back late he knew he was going to get flogged you know what I'm yeah. saying and that's just the pressures of that just reading that from the he was 8 9 years old I'm like I wouldn't have made it you know what I'm no. saying like like off rip dog like it, so it just it put the it put the it put that life just in a whole different category that I couldn't even imagine living in. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, you know what? And to that point, for me, like, you just said it. Like, and, and like y'all both making a great point about not just how long he worked, because that really is a grown man work schedule. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of grown Straight men that ain't working at. But it's the type of work and responsibility that was on him. Mm -hmm. at, at that young age, being a slave, the first thing that really stood out to me was all right, this is a person that had some huge problems in life and challenges. And so I was real curious, and we'll I know we'll get into it later, but I was real curious, like, all right, what's going to be his reaction to this? Because the first thing that right. stood out to me is when, when things happen to us in life, 
we have a choice on how do we react. Do we use this as kind of an excuse to be, you know, have a victim mentality or, right. you know, do we use it as an excuse to be a victor and have a victorious mm-hmm. me- mentality? And I think that's what's interesting is that I don't think nobody would have been mad at an eight or nine year old that was just ready to give up on life. If you're right. out here a slave getting beat and got to take cornmeal across the different plantations. Right. 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 So, right. So, so look, so what's dope. All right. So we, we kind of had that, you know, you kind of had that lifestyle. Y'all know the other thing that stood out to me was how they were living. Like his mom was a slave chef. Um, yeah. so she was a chef, you know, to the master. So she was busy. Like Matt said, they didn't get to spend a lot of time. What was crazy to me was like, yo, the, where they lived, the, it didn't have no floor. It was dirt. Yeah. It was crazy. It was literally so dirt. dirt floor. Yeah. Like literally. Like, like, now I know we, you know, we all grew up at some point in our lives. We from the hood. Right. And one of the things to me is like, all right, like, so what do we tell our kids? Like, so as this story is kind of developing and like we, I know we in the beginning, but I'm like, all right. So I want to know, I'm curious to see as the story develop, does this match up with what we tell our kids today? Cause we kind of almost like, yo, you grew up in the hood. Do we, do we, like say this as an excuse to stay there or get out or you grew up less fortunate. So it's real interesting, but all right. So Matt, you kind of talked about it, right? Like we, the childhood, I think you could fill in the blanks and, and really just understand what it's like to be in the life of a slave. But yeah. um, let, let's start with Doug. Like Doug, what do you think about that experience of once slave, not necessarily the moment you could talk about the moment when they found right. out they were free. But what I'm curious about is leading up to that moment. Yeah. Y- y'all know what stuck out to me, the grapevine, the slave, yeah. you know what I'm saying? The slave that was responsible to go to the uh, post office for the oh, master. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can, who, who, you know, talk about that a little bit and that experience and how they were getting their information about this. Potential the way the, the kind of way they explain it was that, it wasn't no, you know, like right, right now you can send out a text or you can put it up on Facebook. Everybody will know. You can <laughs> right. send out a tweet. Everybody right. will know. But this was like it was traveling, you know what I'm saying, at a slow pace. So it was like he would hear it at the post office. He would know what's going on and then he would spread it. You know what I'm saying? So just the anticipation of them understanding that freedom might be on the way. You know what I mean? Like... So just um, just imagine that like you're born into this predicament. This is all you know. And then you hear that I'm about to be free. And it and it's for some, it affected them a little differently than what they expected. And he, he actually explains this uh, how it was jubilation at first. It was the excitement, but then it was like, okay, I've been a slave my whole life. Yeah. You know, what do I do? now like so that realization once that starts to settle in they really start to understand that they hey now they were on their own you know what i mean so it's like i don't know it's it's like i i, I can kind of i can't even give an example of how that would what kind of example that is parallel to that you know what i mean like yeah, you're just really realizing that your, your freedom is at, is is really tangible now and and, and that's something if you're you know, my, that's something that you know that they've been wanting for years like right you know they were singing slaves you know they had slave songs to where they were talking about freedom but the freedom that they were referring to yeah is to 
to after they died. Right. Ooh. That's where their liberty and their freedom was. But they didn't know that their freedom was right upon them. Right, right there. So, yeah, right there. And then once it happened, like you said, it was jubilation, like at first, but then reality set in, like, okay, what yeah. do we do now? You like, you know you know what just hit me, bro? The fact that he was able to pick that up that young, right? And he's obviously looking back and pondering that moment. But this is this is where he probably got the idea, and we'll probably talk about this later. Is like his 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 ability to think practically. Like, okay, there's freedom now. We have to work in this freedom. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, okay, the freedom is here. We're free for a reason. Yeah. We have to we have to work while we're in this free. And that's probably where he got that from, just noticing that the people around him who had been in it for generations, the older generation who had been around it, really, mm-hmm. really didn't know what to do with it. Really could right. he and he even goes so far as to say that some of them, some of the slaves went back to their old masters to stay in, you know what I'm saying, the position they was in because they didn't know what to do with the new position they found themselves in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All right, so that's deep. All right, so let look, because cause y'all said some dope stuff. First, we talk about the grapevine, and like, I don't know, I'm silly. It just tripped me out because I can't get the song. <laughs> I, it Andre, I, can't, oh, no. I can't get it out my mind. No. In that moment, no. I'm like, yo, so that's the grapevine. The grapevine yes. was this slave that had to go to the post office. Heard it through he the grapevine. Yeah, yeah, he would listen over. And then, look, this was the dope thing about that. Booker T. Washington said that slave, a lot of time the slaves got the news before the masters because of the Facts. grapevine. Facts. That's heavy. Facts. Like, yeah. they, they, were, said a lot of the, they said a lot of the colored people heard it, like you said, uh, before any white people, just not just the uh, slave owners, but the white people. <laughs> and then, and even the, hey, man, you, you, man, you, you really in the, you really, you really in 1902 right now. You oh wilding. I literally put myself in the book. Hey, 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 dog, listen, dog. Don't blame Matt, because I ain't mad at you, Matt. I almost called hey, my I brother a color. No, listen, dog. Hey. Listen, dog. I almost called y'all Negroes when y'all called me, dog. Like, nah, but Pete, but Pete, Pete this, though. Pete this, though. Pete this, though. It's like the disconnect, like the two different worlds they lived in. The white people who had really wasn't paying attention to the fact that their world was about to change. Like their whole mode yeah. of existence was about to change. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 crazy. That was deep. So like, uh, look, this is that point. Y'all both kind of kind of mentioned it, but I felt like this was probably one of the most pivotal points. And there are several several in the book to me Man. was when he described that actual moment when they found out they was free. So like he he yeah. said some military dude came to the plantation, read some letter, gave some speech, and was yeah. like, "Y'all free." And he was like, at first, this is what's so deep. He was like, at first, and y'all mentioned it, it was Jubilee, his mom cried tears of joy. And I think that's what we would all expect, right? If somebody came and freed you from something that you had been wanting Mm -hmm. right now, you excited. But then it got deep to me. This was one of the most deep points in the book. He said about two hours or he might have said a couple hours later, the entire mood changed and people got sad. Because they yeah. realized that now they were responsible for themselves. 
So freedom, like, can we just like, I don't, one of y'all just say something about the fact, like freedom, the responsibility of freedom. And I'll say this before y'all do think about the children of Israel. When, when God sent Moses the freedom from slavery, the Bible says that four weeks after a month after they had been free, they had started complaining and saying, yeah. when we were in slavery, at least we knew what we were going to eat. At least. And so yeah. I don't think this is by chance that the Bible is showing you how God will free us from something. And that yeah. initial reaction is joy. But there is going to come some great period where you're going to have to push through that right. desire to actually go back mm. to slavery. Because freedom comes with responsibility. It's not it. Freedom doesn't mean. I'm just free to do whatever I want to do. Freedom comes with a level of responsibility that mm. I think a lot of us don't understand. It's like if you can liken it to becoming a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Like you free from sin, but you're, you're, you're free from being in the bondage of it, but then you're free to a different set of responsibilities. Now you have to use your life to glorify God. And that comes with a whole set of rules. You was living under a different set of rules. You know what I'm saying? But now these rules are in order to glorify God. And it's just it just comes with a different set of responsibilities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They had responsibilities as slaves, but now that was for somebody else. Now it's responsibility. You be responsible for yourself. It's like you and that, that's that's a deeper reflection. That's a that's yeah. a way deeper reflection. And they you're going internal. Yeah, <clears throat> they said that in the book. And you know, yeah, we're 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 creatures of habit. Like we love familiar familiar things. We love um, uh, uh, things that we know is normal to us. Um, and the thing with that is, like they, you know, they were in their normal, which was slavery. Right. But they wanted something else outside of that, right? They wanted the freedom. Mm -hmm. But once they got the freedom, their habitual habits, you know, their habits kick back. Okay, what I kind of want to do, like you had some slaves that had agreements to go back with their masters, yeah. you know, and, and work something out to where they could still live in their same situation and mm -hmm. still work. Because mm -hmm. that's all they knew. Like, that's mm -hmm. the thing. And, that, and that, that, that's how they feel their responsibility in that manner. But you had some people that actually strived for more, i.e. Booker T. Washington, right? So he like, okay, this is my chance. Like he mentioned, like um, in the middle of it, that one thing that he really desired uh, and that he heard of was people being able to learn and educate themselves. Mm -hmm. So you, as you hear in the story that he began to transition, okay, I'm free. Let me use this. How can mm -hmm. I get educated now? Mm -hmm. Now, education was lacking in the black community mm -hmm. uh, because it was only reserved for the white people, right? Mm -hmm. So he actually began, I know I'm probably going down the road. No, go ahead, bro. Began, he actually began to seek out how can I get educated? Who, which people among the African race, African-American race knows how to read? He mm -hmm. started going to them first because mm -hmm. that's all he knew who to go to. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, of course, it trickled down from there. I don't want to get too far. Hey, look, down the no, road, no. But... Look, he said something. No, you good. This is this is dope. Yeah, this was supposed good. to happen. Um, yeah. He said when because he taught himself the alphabet in like two weeks. Yeah, he got he yeah. started yeah. reading and stuff, and he said it got to the point where he couldn't find no teachers because he he knew more than everybody at some point. 
So it was mm-hmm. like he couldn't find nobody to teach him because he knew too much. And that that's not to speak against the teachers because all of them, it was like a race to start learning once they became free. Once they all became free. Because everybody, and look, this is something dope he said. He said two dope things. Number one, before he was free, he said he walked past a schoolhouse and he saw the image of the kids in there being taught. In the schoolhouse. And he equated that to paradise. Yeah. And so... Education. education education was paradise so he started seeking that and then the other dope thing he said was when they all came out and started reading and stuff he said the slaves who were 50 years old plus their number one goal was to read the bible was to learn Mm, yeah he said they wanted to read the bible Bible. he said the first thing they wanted to do was read the bible It, it when when the when you really think about how central the bible is and him being a christian was to this whole story, the way he talks about it is practical. Like it's not, he's not speaking religious about everything. And it kind of reminded me of the book of uh, um, Esther, where God's name is not mentioned, yeah. but you can see God's providence yeah. throughout the whole sto- Esther story. Yeah. You can just see how God's hand is throughout the whole book. And it, this is what it re- he mentions God frequently. But just the the way he the way he talks about his story, the way he talked from him being nine years old and the things he had to endure, what his mother had to endure, the thing, the lessons he learned, you can see that the Holy Spirit and God was working all the way through his life. You know what I mean? And I, I just thought that was interesting. That the first thing he wanted to do, the, the, the when he felt liberated is when he when when these when the slaves felt like they were the most liberated is when they were reading the Bible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know what? Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Th- this is something about, you know, and I think this is important to say, and you kind of alluded to it. One of the dopest things about how this book is written, and the reason that I wanted to talk about it on this show during these times in the world is because one of the things I see amongst whites and blacks, amongst politicians on both sides, is that most people are trying to defend a narrative versus right. just tell the truth. And what he did right. was what he lays out is he basically says, like, yo, slavery was horrible. He said, I never met a slave that didn't want to be free. And mm-hmm. he talked about all of the horrible things of slavery. Right. Um, so it was no basically it was no question. Two things. It was no question of it was no question of that. He thought that the blacks were being treated wrong and that slavery mm-hmm. was wrong. And the mm-hmm. fact that blacks wanted to be free and should have been free. So that was no right. question, right? No question. I think sometimes what we have right now with some, uh, and I'm not, when I talk about races right now, I'm not using a blanket because I know it's blacks and whites on both sides of these arguments. But what right. you'll hear sometimes is you'll hear one side of the argument that almost doesn't want to admit and struggles to admit that blacks have been done wrong because they're yeah. trying to defend something. And then you get the other side that is trying to live through the lens of victimhood and only remind you <laughs> yeah, of what was and only wrong. only tell you what was and that's what's key about what he said like he said even when he went to go speak he didn't want to say nothing in the north that he couldn't say in the south that was crazy you understand what i'm saying right. so his thing was i'm going to tell you about what you're doing wrong and no matter where i'm at because he said this early in the book, if I'm not stating facts, then it's pointless to me. Like yeah. he, he, but he believed that 
I'm not going to argue with you emotionally. I'm going to reserve this dialogue with for the facts and let the facts take you wherever they take you. And it was a fact that slavery was wrong. It was a fact to him that slavery, that they should have been free. So that's that's something that just not, it's, it's, you can't argue that. So yeah. to him, he was telling the Southern whites wherever they was wrong, whenever they was wrong, what they were wrong for. Yeah. And the, 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 the thing that he, he was holding everybody accountable, that's, blacks and whites. That's the, that's the thing that was, that's the most admirable yeah. about how he lived through this time and, and built his institution. It was, I'm holding everybody responsible. And if you're right, you're right. And there's good things about you. There's good things about you. But if you're wrong, you're wrong. If there's bad things about you, there's bad things about you. And we're going to talk about it. I'm going to say it. I want y'all, I want y'all thoughts on something, Matt. We'll start with you. Um, He said something. He said that, and this was, this was deep. And this is why I wanted to say and kind of set the table that there was no question throughout this book from top to bottom that he, Come on, y'all, as a slave, right? Like, I know. Right. He, as he a lived, slave. But look, he said something crazy. He knew he knew slavery was wrong. He lived it. His parent, his mom, he didn't even know who his daddy was. Like, well, this is the kind of life he was living. But right. he said, this was so deep after they became free. He said that as he observed it, that he felt that slave. No, let me let me say it right. First, he said he was like, I used to want wish I was white. Um, yeah, not that I was that. literally white, but wish that I was born with like the privileges of the white people from the standpoint of being able to, um, he, he kind of said it like be able to be a, a Senator or all the, yeah, you know, just yeah. that lifestyle. He wanted that freedom of like, yo, this is what it would be like if I was born white. And then he said, right. now, you know what they, what the, actually what they say that we're, we're born like, and you know, they make the analogy about being in a race. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They start the race with little to no obstacles. And when we start our yeah. race, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got more obstacles. You know what I'm saying? We we might have a chain around our neck. We might have something tied to our arm. We just start in the race. We might be 10 paces back behind them. You know what I'm saying? Yep. He knew that was a reality. And so you know what I'm saying? But, he, fl- but peep how he flipped the reality, Jay. That's a good, I'm happy you said that like that, right? Yeah. He took that reality and then said that he actually feels that it's slaves are better off than the white masters mm-hmm. and their kids mm-hmm. because yeah. of everything, all the trades and things that you learn through mm-hmm. slavery. He was right. like, as bad as slavery was, he feels better off. And then he even mentioned like, now the free slaves are going over to Africa to the people who were never enslaved and teaching yeah. them. So I yeah. want y'all like let, Matt, you go ahead and then Doug, I want you to jump in wherever, wherever y'all want to go with that. I just know that right. that's an important point for somebody in slavery to sit back and Man. say, I actually think I'm at more of an advantage. Yeah. Look, bro, look it, it, it's, it's crazy. It's super crazy. Like, as we said, you know, this is somebody that actually came from slavery. So, he has every right, you know, to feel what kind of whatever emotions, whatever offenses, you know, uh, what came from that to, you know, white people. You know what I mean? Right. He had every right um, as, you know, to be offended, to be mad. Yeah. Yeah. This guy literally m- made up in his mind to not have a victim mentality 
to not feel like he was owed anything, um, to not feel like, you know, he needed to be repaid for this and that. He literally made up in his mind, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do this. Like he made it even to the point where I think, Jay, like you were saying, um, how the, uh, the, the white master and his kids, you know, the kids really don't know, don't have a strong foundation to, to, to stand on because they didn't build it. They don't know what they're standing on. So he mm-hmm. made a comparison as to the slaves. He said the good thing about the slaves is, you know, the people that are free is that we are able to build our foundation and our foundation is going to be solid. We know what mm-hmm. we're standing on. Mm-hmm. So therefore, um, of course, if you know you got a strong foundation, you can build that tower up however high, however wide you want it. And the thing about that is, like, he didn't use any excuse at all to say, mm. you know what, let me just go ahead and chill. You know what I mean? Let me just go ahead and, you know, uh, wallow in what we've been through for the last 200 whatever years, you know. But he used that, uh, you know, the opportunity as um, as a chance to better himself. And mm-hmm. he actually said things to, um, as far as offenses, he said, you know, there's been many times where he had offenses um, uh, to where white people, like he'd be on the train and they'd tell him to go to yeah. the back, sit in the back and different things like that. But he said, I feel more pity on them for treating me like that right? because they don't know who they are. They yeah. don't know what this race is it's all about. Crazy, so man. if you think about the mindset that he actually used to propel himself to where he where he was at that point to how big he became, you can take like we all can take something from that. Yeah, you know, like yeah. we use so many excuses. We're we're the victim in every single thing in it's, society. It's, it's crazy, man, that you say that because I study so much about history, right? And I remember reading in one of my history, one of these history books about just the economic, um, the economic situation in the South, and and it, and it kind of corresponds to what Booker T was saying about how the whites in the South didn't know how to do regular stuff because the slaves did everything. Yep. So they didn't know how to, they, they wasn't merchants. They didn't know how to fetch their own water. They didn't know how to, to a lot of them didn't even know how to cook. They didn't know how to, uh, they, 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 they didn't know how to nurse. They didn't know how to, they didn't know how to be, uh, with, do the craftsmanships, uh, the, the, whatever you needed as far as, you know what I'm saying, hard works, blacksmith, whatever you needed. They didn't know how to do that because so in one of the books I was reading, it said that economically just industrialized, the, the, in the industrial movement, movement in the South was set back 50 to 100 years because white people in the South just didn't know how to be in, industrialized. They didn't know how to take the land that they had had and and produce from it because the slaves were the ones that did all of that. So it was it's just in, it's just interesting how the institution yeah. of slavery it w- was was so evil that it even set the white people back in the south. You know what <laughs> I mean? And yeah. he he yeah. he the way Booker T looked at it when he when he's seeing that he's actually watching that in reality and he's yeah. saying, okay, I can't let the the way they look at me. The position that I'm in socially stopped me because I understand who I am. I know that my people have more potential than even what they think, and they're behind me economically. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's it's just the way he thought about it. So to him, there was no 
excuses for the black man. It was it yeah. was none at all. We know we got the skills, we got the capabilities. Let's go do it. You and, know what and, I mean? And even uh, you know, they fast forward fast forwarded to where he, you know, started the, you know, Tuskegee University. Like that that was one of the most interesting um few chapters that I've probably ever read. Um yeah. you hear about how they started off. Um it wasn't it wasn't for the fate of heart at all. Like, right. He <laughs> like this dude You know what you that that's a good point. I, I want you to finish your point. Yeah. But I, I but this, this dude he the, the way the way he started, even the student the way he looked at the students, but go ahead. Yeah, so you know, even like the students, he looked at this he actually gave ownership to the students. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, they brought they brought him down there from Hampton. You know, they brought Booker T down uh, to Tuskegee for Hampton to start, you know, educating the kids because the kids wanted education. So he looked at it as an opportunity because because he came from that such thing as, you know, not being educated and want education. He actually worked, toiled with poor African-Americans mm. to the point to where he got them feeling like this. OK, I'm taking ownership of what. Um, of what is right here. I'm giving them ownership too. Like this is mm, nice. this is this is this this is you guys as well. This is ours. This is ours. Because of that ownership, he had them toiling the ground. Even mm-hmm. though they might not have wanted to, they cleared I think like a hundred acres of land yeah. so they could yep. be able to garden, so they could mm-hmm. feed themselves because they didn't have that much money to go um, outside mm-hmm. know, to, to get food. So they had mm-hmm. to get they had to build their own food distribution. They had to build their own brick distribution to build uh, buildings. Like this is insanity if you think yeah, about it. Mm-hmm, like, you're mm-hmm. talking about educating as well as building up your facilities as well as gardening and feed yeah. like like it's they a blueprint. Bro, yeah, uh, you know, I'm gonna say but, this real quick, um, because this is dope. Like, so there's a um a young lady who um who kind of reached out to me um, via Instagram a couple months ago. Um, she's a white young lady, didn't really know. She's not from America, so she didn't know much about, like, you know, the the history. I think that's another thing, too. Like, we live in this bubble where we think everybody yeah, in the world, know. like, you yeah. know, knows American history. Is like, I talked mm-hmm. to several people that's not from here, and they be lost. Like, oh, right. so black people is, you know. But we were talking, and we had some nice, um, some good conversations, talked about some tough things. She had a lot of questions um, a Christian girl. And, you know, we've had some really productive dialogue around it. Um, but she was talking to another, uh, black guy, um, that's a Christian dude, um, about some similar stuff. And she shared, shared with me, she had mentioned yesterday to me, um, Genesis 50 and 20. Everybody knows I love the, uh, the story of, uh, of Joseph in the Bible. And, you know, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. So there's something important that I want to make about the point y'all were talking about how, like, even after slavery, like he didn't, he said not only did he not have bitterness towards white people, but he was saying yeah. at large, the blacks in that region, the slaves, they weren't bitter towards yeah. white people. And I think for yeah. us, that's like kind of tough to understand. But I want to um, go to the scripture in Joseph, I mean, in, uh, Genesis 50 and 20, where it says, Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God mm-hmm. intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving mm-hmm. of many lives. Brothers mm-hmm. and sisters, if we will allow our hearts to harden over what has 
what has happened in our lives rather than who God, who intended it for good, we will never discover the revelation of why. That's uh, mm -hmm. the, the rest was kind of what this guy said on his Instagram post. But that Genesis right. 50 and 20, where, where Joseph tells his brothers, y'all intended it for bad when you sold me into slavery, mm -hmm. but God intended it for good. The reason I'm pointing that out is that we focus, I think one of the, the number one elements of their victim mentality is to continue to have a heightened focus on what was wrong. And yeah. they don't know how to anybody with a victim mentality doesn't know how to move past what was wrong. Right. right. And then you have the other side. Right. People who dismiss who are dismissive that constantly drive people to, into a victim mentality because you won't even you won't even admit that they you were won't acknowledge it, that it was wrong. Yeah. So but what we're doing here today and I want to just point out why this is a <laughs> biblical approach to the conversation is that in the Bible, from a literal example of a man who was literally sold in slavery by his brothers, what what God said through this man was really that, yo, and he said this to the people who sold him into slavery. So this right. is such a literal example when you think about a black man being able to tell a white person, yo, I know that you did this to harm me and that this was a bad thing, right? So I think right. what we have to realize is nobody is going to sit here and argue that slavery for Joseph or for the African-Americans was a good thing. But we do as believers have to acknowledge in God's sovereignty that God yep. has the ability to take something that was intended for bad and put purpose behind it. So I just wanted yes. to say that because um, I think that was a very pivotal point in the book. But, but Booker T actually says that. And, and he says it later on in his book when he was writing these addresses to people talking about his speeches and he talks about how he felt like slavery, this post slavery allowed the opportunity for them to build unity within between the black and the white races. That's how he always talked about it. And he wanted to be, ex he wanted to be an example as somebody black and he wanted to be the people, his people so much of a power and example of to, of to forgive, not be bitter. To where it would, where he doesn't say it in this way, but this is how I took it. Where it would, we would be as a people so convicting to the former slave masters that it would cause them to want to join in with us and be productive with us so we can push the world in unity forward. It's like that's his whole mission. You know what I'm saying? It's to push unity and push, which I really think is centered in his understanding of what Christianity. Yes. It's, yes. it's a unified people pushing towards Christ. And that's what he wanted. He wanted the blacks and the whites in the South, you know what I'm saying, to be a picture of that. And he he that's why he always praises all the blacks that he knew that helped his cause and also the whites he knew that helped his cause because he was always constantly trying to, you know, build this picture of unity and even that's even the school that he was building even his yeah. his his intentions his work ethic his his drive was all centered in that goal you know what yeah. i'm saying but i, yeah. I want to go back to what you what we, about the students before i missed that thought um and i thought this was interesting because in me we talked about this throughout the week um jay you said something and i want to remember if you if you remember saying this um but he said that the that the students, when he first got down there, were so interested in 
in the kind of studies that they were doing. Like they were impressed with how big the subject matter was on the mm -hmm. title of the book uh -huh. and whether or not they understood Latin or Greek or arithmetic when they didn't even know how to brush their teeth. Man. So he was he was saying that it was better to have practical education. And this is even the way we define even the way he defined education was different. His he was good. He was cool with Latin, Greek and arithmetic. In political science, he was cool with those, but in his mind, what good is it knowing that if you don't know how to till the ground, uh, if you don't know how to milk a cow, yeah. if you don't know how to build your own your your own chairs, if yeah. you don't know how to go out in the farm and produce corn or rice or sweet potatoes, his right. it was practical education, education that you can use, and he said this in the book. He said he wanted his people to learn how to do common things mm -hmm. uncommonly. Yeah. <laughs> he he wanted to he wanted to he wanted people to be great at whatever they put their hands to 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 do no matter how minuscule somebody else thought it was. So if you are a teacher, he wanted you to be the best teacher you ever could be. If if you were a, a, a the pencil sharpener in the class, he wanted you to be the best pencil sharpener you could be. If you were a farmer, he wanted you to be the best farmer because he believed that merit and and excellence is what drew people to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It it's, it was a it was a, it was a different philosophy. He yeah. he talked about um going to um Europe and yeah. looking at a painter from Africa, who was an African American, you know what I'm saying? But he was so great at what he did that white people didn't even know he was African, and you couldn't tell his artwork apart from, you know, the Spanish or the German or the French. Yeah, he, he said, was like it. He said it didn't matter because it didn't matter to him. Person of merit. He. This was his philosophy, and Matt, Ooh. I want your opinion on something because Matt, you used the word merit several times when we was talking this week. A right. message in this book is that the whole goal was to develop people of merit. And if right. you, people who do good in the world, white or black, he felt like if you were a person of high merit, eventually they would be forced to give you credit. So it's like Thanks. he basically believed Bro. be so good that people cannot you can't deny, deny you. it. Like, you can't deny it. All right. So, Matt, this is this is what I want you to because. All right. This, I, all right. When he went, because when he was going to Hampton, because he had this desire, at, you know, coming out of slavery to go to Hampton, yeah. Hampton University. When right. he was going to, to Hampton, here was a couple things that was interesting to me. Number one, how he had to get there. Like, right. this wasn't no, like, just quick bus ride or something. Like, you talking about people used to right. go on journeys for three, <laughs> four days. And when he got there, he had to sleep under a sidewalk. With his clothes as a pillow, right? Mm -hmm. Now, is because because the white person in charge of the of the place where they slept wouldn't let him oh, in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah right. so he had to wouldn't go. let him in. So, so peep this though, right? And Matt, this is what I want your opinion on. He when he wanted to apply to the school, the lady who would 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 accept him or deny him made him wait for a while because mm -hmm. he had been sleeping Ooh. outside so he mm -hmm. was dirty but mm -hmm. prior to this he was working for this mean lady that nobody wanted to work for right. but this right. lady was so hard on him he was a cleaner janitor whatever right. you want to call it 
she made him do the best. And what he said was that he credits this lady who was a mean, yeah. like, lady. He credits her and how hard she was for teaching him how to clean. Here's how what's clean. crazy. When he got to Hampton, the lady waited a couple hours because he was looking dirty and stuff. And after right. a couple hours of him waiting, she just ran and was like, man, this room needs to be cleaned up and swept, whatever. Mm -hmm. My man went in there and said, he said he dusted <laughs> four times. So what, yeah, so he but cleaned you everything. Find a speck of dirt. He said she. You couldn't find a speck of dust when she checked it. She yeah. couldn't find a speck that, of dust anywhere. But that's how he got accepted, Matt. I want your opinion on that because, like, again, we make fun of Matt for being um, Matt is a hard worker, take care right. of his fam man, out here. You know, that, it's, man. It's, it's, yeah, man, but you no, are, no, man. You no, are, no, man. Come on, Uncle Matt. You like you, a mule, man. You like a mule, bro. <laughs> Uncle Matt. I, yeah, I, I man, think, but you are, you are, man. Hey. I, I think Uncle you would have been the only one to last, Matt. If uh, yeah, you, man. you would have made, you would have been the only slave that would have made it. <laughs> you, hey, man, I'd have still been out in the fields, man. <laughs> but, but no, yeah. give your opinion on how you feel about that story and that dynamic of how from yeah. working with a lady to getting accepted into Hampton. I'm just curious what you think about that. So, oh man, um, first of all, you got to have a certain amount of uh, relentlessness and perseverance to be mm -hmm. able to first make it to Hampton. Um, mm -hmm. He described himself being hungry, um, uh, cold. He described himself uh, sleeping under the pavement, under the uh, sidewalk. Um, it was only by God's providence that he would look into some food. Like, you know, mm -hmm. he said by food. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't nothing but God um, that provided for him even in his journey. And that's, that's a whole message by itself. Like right. he literally t stepped out of boat and depended on, you know, uh, um, the hunger that God put inside him hey. to be able to, uh, you know, take a step and do whatever. And God provided for him, but right. for him, for him to be uh, persistent, um, when, the, when the lady, um, when he was trying to get into school and, uh, it, the way to the school and through the school was through this lady. Um, and he knew that. So he would go up there every single day to present himself, even though he was not presentable as far as his hair. Mm -hmm. he, he said he called himself. He was dirty. He mm -hmm. knew he was, but he didn't have any way of cleaning himself up. Right. But he knew that if he got one opportunity, that he would make the best out of that opportunity. Mm -hmm. He would not have any kind of regrets. And because he humbled himself a little bit earlier in the story, like you said, Jay, when he went to the lady and worked for the lady that nobody, absolutely nobody mm -hmm. wanted to work for. They couldn't stand her. He actually mm -hmm. found value in that lady because he learned how to keep the pickets clean. He learned right. how to um, uh, make sure every corner of the house was clean. He said mm -hmm. sometimes it was tiresome, but he understood it. And guess what? It became a part of him. He mm -hmm. it in the book plenty of times. He's like, I can't stand to see anything out of order now. I can't yeah. stand to see dust in the corner. He mentions it plenty of times. So by the time he got to the lady, it was already embedded in him. Like, yo. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it 10 times better than what you're thinking. So by the time he cleaned it up, you know, uh, cleaned it up about four times. <laughs> like most of us, let's be real. Most of us would have cleaned it up one time. Bro, Look, we wouldn't have went to the corners, you know, we wouldn't have the window seat. Listen to me. You know, I wouldn't have got in Hampton. I'm going to tell you all right now. <laughs> <laughs> listen, unless it was Hampton community. Man, listen to me, dog. Look, listen to me, man. I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have been in Hampton, dog. My man would have been in 1870. Talking about you. Do y'all got uh, do y'all got online classes? 1880. Yeah, yo, dog. I wouldn't have made it, dog. 
Look, I would have made it to Hampton. <clears throat> but, 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 you know, for him to knock it out, you know, she was a throw. She knew it says in the book she knew where to look for dust. She <laughs> went to the spots that she knew where to she look knew. for dust, and it wasn't there. And she couldn't find the speck. He couldn't find it, bro. So, she couldn't find. So this was bandit, bro. He he like you you said a lot of good things like his perseverance and relentlessness, relentlessness. I can't talk. Um, the thing about <laughs> it is like we like this is what I got from that. How do you react in the midst of adversity? Because right. a lot of what we right. expect is because how many times y'all heard this right? Like somebody successful. Oh, his people, his parents got money. Oh, they, like anytime yeah, somebody right. do something. <laughs> We start creating reasons to make ourselves yeah. comfortable while they're there. But the reality is you don't know how relentless somebody is. Because like Matt said, like you said, that, like uh, I wouldn't have made it because I don't know. The, at the moment I had to sleep on a sidewalk, I would have been like, yo, this is a sign from God that I ain't yo. supposed to be here. <laughs> but, but here's what was dope. <laughs> and Doug, Doug, I want your thoughts on this, bro. Here's what was dope. Later on in the book, he talks about how he ended up giving a speech yeah. near the sidewalk that he once slept under. Yeah. Like just like and I know we 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 missing points in that like part of this is to get people to read it themselves, right? So we're not gonna cover right. everything. But when you right. go further on and he like he he makes it to this point where he's a nationally known orator and stuff, now he's actually giving speeches and winning awards and things mm -hmm. and in the same city and like he's he talked about in this one speech how if i'm remembering right he could see that sidewalk from where he was right. talking and from he, was he was talking more on the sidewalk than the people yeah. he was talking to yeah because he because he remembered where he had came from right you know what i mean it, it's i don't even have words for that bro like I don't even have words. That was one of the part. That was one of the points in the book that made me feel like, yo, this guy was special. Yeah. So all you can do is just marvel at his the first his his the his cognitive ability to be able to see that and remember this is where I was. You know what I'm saying? And to be able to 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 give a speech talking about unity and uplifting the black people, looking at where he came from. You know what I'm saying? Looking at where he started. That's one of those all, one of those all moments in the book. You know what it I does. mean? It does. And hold on. No, so, go ahead. And we know like Booker T, all he wanted to, like we, he says it plenty of times in the book, like he didn't want no fame. Like he don't, he didn't want, any of that. All he wanted mm -hmm. to do was what? Help his people. That's right. all he wanted to do. That's so all he wanted he to knew, do. He knew by helping his people, he had to get educated. Mm -hmm. He knew that he wanted he wanted education to a degree that I've probably never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the uh, actually former slaves wanted yeah. um, you know, education more than we've ever Yeah, we kind of yeah, we kind of skipped know? over that because he actually said how the night schools used to be packed. Packed. With people packed. of all kind of, with people of all ages, and former yeah. slaves of all ages, and they've been working mining all day. Yeah. Like, look, look, this yeah. is this is dope. Like, because to that point, like that 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 relentlessness and that desire, right? Here, here's one thing he talked about, man. And we kind of bouncing around now. 
Cause there are some key points that I think are important with you know for today. Like when I look at today, like if I was writing this book today, it would be called Up from Poverty. And the reason that is is because I think poverty is the thing you know that has enslaved mm-hmm. us in our generation and our people, mm-hmm. and been kind of that form of slavery to keep us there. And when you look at, so the question becomes, what is the what is the remedy to go up from wherever you are, whether it's poverty or slavery, right? Booker T's remedy was literally like to become self-sufficient, to have Mm -hmm. ownership and to become better. When I look at the world today, all right, people in poverty, we think we want the government to give them money to keep us like, give me a stimulus. Give me this. Give me this. And so I want people to understand this is a battle of doctrine. Like Mm -hmm. as a believer, you're going to have to at some point say, do I believe the doctrine of the Bible? where God used or, a Moses or a, jo- a Joseph or mm-hmm. Doug, or do I or believe do I, what? do I believe in the, the doctrine of the government can take care of me and everything I, I want is a handout. And he you never, know what I'm saying? he never, this was crazy about this book. He never presented that as an option, as a solution. Never. He no, actually, once. He, he actually thought that blacks shouldn't be in politics is till they understood really what they wanted to fight for. He th- he thought it was fruitless yeah. to even be involved in politics until black people were self-sufficient enough to yeah. influence he, politics he, the right way. You know what I mean? Like he didn't want to be in politics. He didn't at all. They was trying to pay him to be a politician. They was trying yeah. to pay him to be a politician. And he would turn it down. Hey, look, he this... didn't want to be a speak. He didn't want to speak. He wanted to just educate. Like that was his. And, main and if story. I look, I'm gonna be brutally honest. If I can say something, you this is say one it. of the things that I think that I think that has set the black community back. Um, we we're so focused on politics, facts, instead of being focused on doing the groundwork. Ooh. You understand what I'm saying? Like facts. Yeah. Every every nationality that comes to America that starts from the ground up they never start in politics never except for the rare maybe the irish the rare rare exception and that's a whole different that that's a whole different case study but most minorities when they come here as a community they start from the ground up by working and establishing a specific skill set um that they are known for and once they establish that they build commerce and they build industry and yeah. they, then that there comes the, then they then they get their wealth and then they get their influence look i'm a, we I'm a, we we don't do that we've never done that as the black community and i'm we've never back done that, that, that because with i just read a um case study about how taiwan how these um manicure and pedicure like how they yep. how that whole how that spread across America I think it started in Sacramento on the west coast right. Sacramento or Seattle yeah. I could be mixing up but it started right. over there with this one lady like and right. that, like we go to all these um you know going to all these um nail salons and they Vietnamese own and you just like you got to read read the history of that it's they right. came read how it they, started they literally mm-hmm. started that in one region and then what happened was here's what's crazy they didn't know how to speak English and they didn't have no skills trade. So this one lady started doing it and realizing they wasn't good at nothing else. So they all started teaching them that. And then that's literally just becoming an expert at that one thing. It starts spreading across the region on the West in the country. Here's what I want to mm-hmm. say to that. Like, um, 
And part of the reason I think that is why people run to politics is because politics sometimes gives people a voice um, when they don't feel like, like, oh, I don't want to start from scratch. And yeah. there's, there's money, there's dollars yeah. in politics. Yeah, that's, dollars involved in that's it. That's why he didn't want it. He and, and yep. if we being real, if we being all the way real, it's the same problem with the church, and that's pointed out yeah, in the book facts. too. People facts. wanted to be politicians and preachers because facts. they wanted money, they, and that right. they money. Yep. and that was the Man, quickest he, way. He talked about the state of the black church, but it was interesting how he talked about it because he talks about it in two different periods in his life. He talks about it when he first gets to Alabama and how immoral all the the the, the clergy member were in the church. Mm-hmm. And then he contrasts to how he himself built the black community up and the, the, the moral character from what he taught the black community start to make better ministers. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? So he was like, he was like, he contract, but then later on in his life, he wrote a speech um, talking about the 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 the, the state of the ministry uh-huh. and how he felt like they were being too political. And yeah. he said the ministry at that time, a lot of the black leaders got mad at him. But then the, the number one bishop went and investigated the 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 leading. I can't remember his name, but he was the leading bishop of the uh, of the Methodist of the. Uh, the, the, the black Methodist church at the time, the BME, he went and investigated his ministers and found out that what Booker was T. True. Washington was saying in the speeches mm-hmm. was true. So mm-hmm. understanding that, right, and then understanding how pivotal the, the, the black church has always been in the black community, then you can look at our churches now and say, what's yeah. the problem? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Because there's there's something to be said about what how Booker Booker T looked at religion. He was a devout Christian, and he wouldn't even preach at places because he wasn't a he minister. Wasn't a minister. Yeah. he wasn't That's a minister, right. so he would turn down speaking at churches because yeah. he wanted to wasn't a minister. But he still had the presence of mind as a Christian to say to these churches, "Hey, you know what I'm saying? We got to do better. Y'all got to do better." And he felt like. That was uplifting the black community, too, because he felt like industry and spirituality was the two cornerstones of his philosophy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's that, that's just how he felt about it. No, that's, so it's, it's that's interesting, deep. man. It's and, interesting. And me, Go ahead, me, Matt. If you don't mind. I, you know, this Matt, I don't mind. You're on the show. You supposed to talk. Yeah, bro. you're on the show, bro. That's <laughs> why we on here. If you what don't is he mind. talking about? It's why a, is he? It's, man, it's just jump in. Segment, cut man. us off like real life. Oh, shit. Right. Look. I'm trying not to rip y'all to shreds. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, so look, Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which is mm-hmm. also in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. who being in the form of God, mm-hmm. thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So think about it, right? Even from Jesus, right? Him being the son of God. like right. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took mm-hmm. upon him the form of a servant mm-hmm. who was made in the likeness of man. Amen. So, you know, if you're thinking about this, it says, let this mind be in you. Man. Which is also Christ Jesus. Oh, so, my God, man. So if you're thinking about what Booker, Booker T literally lived this scripture. 
literally like, lived it, bro. Like he literally, li- like he could have been, he could have been proclaimed way before his time if he would have just accepted some of the uh, accolades and did what people wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. Booker T made even more of an impact because he didn't do that. If that's yes, sir. Matt, yes, sir. Dude, listen, you mad. Matt just Matt. came in here Matt. and just broke out the word. Matt preaching. Matt, <laughs> Matt. No, no, so Matt preaching, dog. Go ahead, finish, finish, Matt. Know, like, if you think about it, dog, like, he literally, all he wanted to do was educate. That's, That's all, all he wanted, he to, wanted do. to do. He, he wanted to serve his community. He just wanted That's all to he wanted to do. People, you know, he was a philanthropist. Like, he wanted to, he just wanted to serve. That's all he wanted to he do. Wanted to he wanted to make people better. Many times in the book. Yes, he actually said that. He said, yeah. this is, that was his whole thing. He wanted the black community to be better servants. That he literally said that. He, 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 and because he felt like if you, if you're serving your community, everybody would draw that, that, that draw to that white or black. They would draw to that. That's what he thought. You, you know what? That, that reminds me because he said something about a white gentleman. Okay. Okay. He, uh, I can't remember this gentleman's name, but he was a preacher and, uh, he was from Wisconsin, but he was, he was preaching in Alabama, uh, Montgomery, Alabama, a, oh, yeah. a white minister of an all black church in Alabama. He had never heard of him before until he went to Boston. So he got this white, pastor that was preaching to an all-black church in the 1800s this is this is crazy <laughs> and then he and then he 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 wanted him to preach at a thanksgiving service for um for the institute yeah. you know what yeah. i'm saying for the to, 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 we ain't said that one time booker t washington is the creator of the tuskegee institute you know what i'm yeah. saying to see, so, tuskegee normal tuskegee. and industrial Institute. And, no, I got right, a bunch right, of, so, so when we just so you know, like before the last few minutes and a couple minutes before we get off, I got a I got like five points that I want to talk about. We gonna end okay. with that. So yeah, we definitely right. gonna cover that. So so this this guy comes, preaches his Thanksgiving service, see what's going on at the institute. He said this white guy jumped in and was the best servant that he had known. He said he didn't know anybody that he had met that had the spirit of Christ, like this white minister said. They made him the trustee at the at the Tuskegee Institute, and he was there for the next 18 years. So let me say this. A white pastor, mm. bro, was a was a picture of a... So this... And we talked about this throughout the week, about yeah. how everybody he met, white and black, were pivotal to who he was and how he developed as a man and his leadership at the Institute. If, so, I, if I could say this... To to the white and the black Christians, Chinese, Indian, whatever you are, to the Christians of all nations, the number one message that we are trying to get across here is that we have to be able to acknowledge when something is being done wrong to one of our brothers and sisters, any of us, because there are other nationalities that have had horrible things happen, right? So as a black person, I want to acknowledge and and listen and hear you out, right? So the first thing we got to stop doing that we do now is we have all these arguments based on black people. Well, this is what happened to us. Then some people, what didn't happen? Black lives. We suffer more. Yeah, like We suffer more. We we work for you. Bump that. Let's all hear each other and respect each other, right? Hear, Hear both sides. But most importantly, and I, man, what I thank God for 
I'm so grateful to God in the midst of all this stuff that's been going on. It's like I just been the reason this book really helped bring some things into perspective is because I just been saying united by faith. I really right. been staying away from a lot of this race stuff because I ain't really I, I just I really was just yeah. trying to like wait for the Lord to make it clear. Like, how do I need to directly address it? But Amen. I'm just like be united by faith, y'all. But this really helps bring into perspective for me that you have a black man that was a former slave that we throw his name around during black history month. Like people always, right. Right, you know, him right. and others. But which the number one message here was that it took everybody though. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just being real. Yep, these might've been real. a different type of black people, but these was a different type of white people too. Like these, facts. these was people that, that were getting, they were coming in to help something. Cause they knew it was wrong that these blacks was enslaved. Hey, can I, can I, can yeah, I speak? I, I want to speak to, and this is a little bit of a history, historical tidbit. And, and, and we talked about this throughout the week too. The great awakening is what made a lot of this possible. See, a lot of people don't talk about the spiritual yeah. aspect of this, right? The great awakening happened right before the civil war. And what it did was it, it, it awakened men's need for Christ. And once they noticed that they needed Christ, men started to see that, hey, slavery is really wrong. And we don't, because if we're set free, how Mm. can we keep these people in bondage? Freedom is not just a spiritual thing. It it should be attained here in the reality. And this is the way white people thought about this. So even the context in which they were born in made it right for him to gain all these different associations and partnerships as he was building his school. When he talks about going around and, 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 uh, and, and gathering money, you know what hey, I'm saying? Hey, Asking hey. people for money. But we can't forget about the general though, bro. Oh yeah. General, we general Adams. We can't forget about, he, he was a white general who fought for the North. He is the one that ran and started the Hampton Institute that Booker T went to. Yep. And he loved this man like a father. Ooh, man. A white man loved him like a father. He man. was literally the most giving, um, selfless person I've ever heard help anybody. Like, right. Like, I don't, I don't want to give it away, but go ahead, Jay. My bad. No, no, look. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, Look, y'all, there there's so much to cover in this. So I wanna Right, um, yeah. So I, I yeah. wanna I wanna say these couple things before we have to go. Um so so when we talk about like there, there was this one thing, all right, before I get into the Tuskegee, this is the last thing I want to hear y'all thoughts on. We'll start with you again, Matt. He talked about like how some some black, some former slaves when they started when when, when they got free. They didn't want to work no more because they felt like, yo, yeah. we had done all yeah. this labor, bump labor. Like and yeah. he was t- he was talking about how people was going and buying stuff they couldn't afford. Like yeah. they, he talked about he went and visited yeah. this yeah. one family and had dinner with them. And it was four or five people and they were sharing one fork. But they had an yeah. organ in the corner that they was paying sixty dollars a month for <laughs> and a clock on the wall. And he said this message. He said, oh. We need to not be worried about the superficial things, but yeah. we need to build ourselves through substance. And that was a big part of the Tuskegee Institute that when he built yeah. it was this isn't about like trying to look like you have money. He talked about the black mm-hmm. dudes that would go out in the street and rent wagons to ride around 
to look yeah. like they had thousands of dollars, but they was really broke. And I'm like, right. So we just been stunting. Like, it, look here. Here's what I want it's y'all the to realize. Now, it, it's the same yeah, you can ahead, you can ahead, still man. see it now, bro. You can still yeah. see it now. Yeah, but okay. So, so what's your question again? Because I was gonna go off. I, no, no. What say whatever you want to say. Go ahead. Just say. I just wanted to share okay, that so thought. This, so, the the way he built Tuskegee um, was admirable in so many different ways. Um, like you said. Uh, you could have, he could have easily envied the higher institutions that taught the most elaborate thing, but he made sure that Tuskegee was going to uh, specialize in agricultural things, mm -hmm. industrial things, mm -hmm. basically the groundwork of society. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? If he didn't have the groundwork of society, the school would have never been, been built. So yep. he had to be he had to be smart in two different ways. He had to be smart to help build up the students, build up the school in one way and educate them at the same time. Mm -hmm. So guess what? It was no better way than have experience with along along with teaching. And for him to be able to build up that school in the way that he did, I don't think no man could ever <laughs> replicate that ever again. Mm -hmm. Ever again. And, and it was because it was a different mindset back then too. So all right, I want um, to say the. Were, oh, go ahead. My uh, bad. My bad. People, people were more, of course, willing to work. People were work more giving, and people mm -hmm. had they, they were just more relentless at that time, right? So mm -hmm. it, it, it was able to cultivate the atmosphere to where, yeah, we can do this together. If you help me, if I help you, we can build this thing together. And that's mm -hmm. what I said earlier, how he gave the students ownership of the school is the best thing he could have ever did because that's what allowed growth and buildings to be constructed. And, you know, they I think they end up having over, what, 200 acres or something like that? I forget what it was. Yeah. It was something insane, but yeah. I, let, me, let me give a couple. So what I want to do is... Um, I got like these six points. We'll go one after another. We'll go Doug, Matt, Doug, Matt. So y'all just get to speak on one of them um, before mm -hmm. we jump out of here. But I, I want to give a quick a quick um, little just um, overview of the Tuskegee Normal and Industrial in Institute. So it was they started it with one teacher and 30 students. Ooh. 36 of the first 40 buildings were actually built by the students and teachers themselves. Like that was a part of it. it was like, we're going to build it ourselves. We built, they built their own furniture now. Okay, cool. That's that. And then it was really three major aspects of what their curriculum was. It was agriculture, trades and building things, industrial, and then religious studies. So those were the three cornerstones um of their schools right they had actually within that industrial department they had 28 industrial departments that prepped for um that this was the dope thing they prepped the students to have jobs right when they graduate mm -hmm. so yep. like the whole idea was you're basically becoming this well-rounded person that you you know the 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 women got taught agriculture they got taught things like how to garden how to mm -hmm. um take care of the domestic things in the house the men got taught um about the animals and everybody took a trade but here's the thing so we're gonna go through these things so number one um i want to hear uh let's let's hear you talk about this doug and these just some some points i wrote down you can add to it or you know bring a different mm -hmm. uh element if you want um the students were educated 
to meet conditions as they existed now. And what that mean is kind of like what you talked about earlier, if you could say a little more about that need for the practical teaching. So it mm-hmm. was it was like, we want to educate you, forget the past, forget everything. We're educating you for right now so that you can be valuable today. I just want to hear your right. thoughts a little bit more on that and even maybe how it applies to us today. But for them then, the way he thought about it, was to make the black community productive. And to make and the only way you can make it productive in his mindset was to teach practical things to so after so when they went out to, into their communities, you needed that particular person in order for your community to, to thrive. Mm-hmm. So his thing was build skill sets, teach these people skill sets that will that when they go out, they will be the, they will be sought after. We're not learning that now in our day. Um, we're going into things that have absolutely nothing to do with building the communities and making our communities better. Even our educated class are going to things like social work. And I'm not I'm not talking against social work. I think that it's a place for that. But we need more. We need more craftsmen. We need more hardworking people who value hard work. And, and we need more people of character and merit. To it's and it's crazy that you actually have an attack on merit right now. You actually have, Man. you actually have the, the 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 culture telling our young people that merit is something that's from white culture, and that that's just to me that's incomprehensible. Yeah. And it, and to me, it's keeping you in this what you talked about earlier uh, when you said up from poverty is keeping our people in an impoverished mindset and that's the new slavery they want you to be indebted to the government and the only way you can get any kind of money or any kind of recognition is if you go and be a talking a talking piece for the government or an extension for the government and i just don't i don't i don't think that's going to help our people rise out of what you said the neo-slavery is the the the, this impoverished mindset yeah so go ahead no no and i was just gonna say you can't you could give somebody a hundred stimulus checks and it doesn't and, and teach you a trade. If you, if you don't teach them, and, 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 and even if you know, even if we learn financial education, that's a particular skill set. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. That that yeah. we can use to be able to further, you know what I'm saying, the the black communities um on position. But I don't I don't think that's what we nece- I don't think that's what the overall culture necessarily wants the black community to do. So um you know, that's my thoughts on that. All right. You know what I mean? I so, just think we got to develop certain skill sets in order to advance us kind of like what Booker T believed. No, that's dope. Right. All right. So I'm going to give yeah. uh, this this a little, little fact and then we're going to go to Matt for one more. And then I'll get y'all thoughts on one last thing and get y'all out of here. Um, Don't be asking me no hard question. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> ain't no question. Uh, all right, this this ain't no question. This just this just a statement before I get to the uh, what I want to hear you talk about, Matt. This is a test. Uh, but no, it said look, every student, uh, and I just took little quotes from the book. Every student will graduate with enough uh, skill, moral character, and and intelligence mm-hmm. to make a living for themselves and others. Mm-hmm. So like they were intentional in school. Think about this, because yeah. I think it's important. We took prayer out of schools, right? They right. were doing the opposite. They were actually in school, not just tr- teaching you skills, but right. moral character was something learned mm-hmm. in school. Okay, I just wanted to say that. Um, 
now, Matt, let's get to what I want to hear you talk about. Let me see if I find a, a, a tough one for you to see if I can uh, stoop you up since you don't. Yeah, since make you, you say something. Make you say something crazy. All right, Matt, they, this is what they said, yes. Matt. This was dope right here. I want to hear your thoughts on this. He said um, the, the goal post-graduation from Tuskegee was to stint, send the students out with a love for labor instead mm. of trying to escape it. He wanted mm. them to view labor as dignified and beautiful. And a yeah. quick point there is that you had people who would send their kids to the school and because the school focused on the labor and our agriculture, you yeah, had people start getting school. money like, yo, we don't want our kids to have to, to, to do that because they felt they were too dignified to work. Mm, and he yeah. saw it the opposite way, like working hard work is dignified. So I want your thoughts on that, mm. man. Man, so I think... You're thinking about how I'm trying to get my thoughts together because honestly, people I think people get lost in the sauce when they, um you know all they're thinking about is the the higher thing, the higher education, the, mm. you know all these different things, right? So I think the the key thing that uh, Booker T taught was the toiling of the ground. Like mm -hmm. those are those are foundational things. Like. Mm -hmm. I think he he wouldn't have um, done a self service if he would have skipped what made him, right? Mm -hmm. So he knew what made him. So he mm. found he found the idea to be able to implement that in the people. And a lot of mm -hmm. times, you know, he knows he knows that yeah, that's what we came from. So I know there's a lot of disdain in that area, but we mm -hmm. have to realize what we what we came from is actually valuable. Mm. You talked about mm. it earlier, Doug, when you said when you said the um the, the the slave owners and all that, they didn't know what to do with themselves mm -hmm. when the slaves left. But mm -hmm. guess what? The slaves didn't know what valuable um um knowledge that they have and that mm -hmm. they groomed from the slave fields. Mm -hmm. So they actually learned from the slave fields. So that was one thing Booker T did not want to dismiss. He didn't want to dismiss the toiling of the ground, to, to being able to um get your food from the from the ground, being able to uh, work with your hands to even build things. Like he taught them these things. He taught them. Mm -hmm. He even mentioned it in the book where he said, you know what? You guys learning how to build now. You can go home and build your own house now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> look, and look, that, ownership, ownership. Ownership. Bro, I didn't mean to cut you ownership. off. Go ahead, go ahead man. Self, self sufficiency, man. Self sufficiency. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, yeah, you know, you get an education, but it's like, I'm giving you foundational things that will take you further than what you think what you needed as far as education. These are mm -hmm. foundational things to help you build more. So And, and yeah. look, to mm -hmm. that point, like Doug said, it's self-sufficiency, right? This is always my problem with like, you know, and I like a whole nother conversation, uh, legalizing marijuana and all those things. Like my mm -hmm. thing's like, okay, cool. You can make whatever medical, you know, arguments you want. But most I'm talking specifically in the black community, in the impoverished people. community, like most yeah. people, they sitting around smoking weed, doing nothing all day. Like I'm talking mm -hmm. about the average person, you know, smoking weed wasn't yeah. sick. Like I ain't, matter of fact, if you want me to be yeah. real, I never met nobody who was smoking it because they were sick when I was growing yeah. up. Like ever, <laughs> ever, nobody never, who, who ever in the blood. history of, of anybody I ever <laughs> met that was smoking weed. <laughs> I know when I was smoking it, it wasn't because I was sick. I was right. trying to get below. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so that's just being real, right? They, they try to create these little arguments, but it's like, hold on. Bro, I grew up in it. I know a bunch of people right. that smoke. I ain't never met nobody like, hey, dog, my head hurt. Let me go ahead and right. like, no, come on, dog. So, so look, at yeah. the end of the day, right? 
what always bothered me about that argument because as I saw the um you know the little um what the things the 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 weed what they what are they called the um oh uh, what, what are they called the dispensaries yeah as I saw them start popping up I drove down uh eight mile this when they first start popping up a couple years ago I drove down eight mile and within like a I drove from east side to west side so let's call it five miles or something. It was like 28 of them. It's probably way more now because this was like two years ago. But like, I'm mm -hmm. like, it was 28 dispensaries in the hood. I'm mm -hmm. like, so, all right, you creating a bunch of people that wants to sit around and smoke and be lazy. Like, mm -hmm. so, so we miss the whole idea in our community. Like we fight, but those are the type of things we fight for. Like we, mm -hmm. like, look, we actually fight for that. That's yeah. weird to me. Like, yes, yo, it's, this is unbelievable. And well, again, take out. We said it. We said it in the chat. We was like, "Man, Booker T would be turning in his grave right now." Oh <laughs> my goodness, bro! Hey, he would be canceled. Oh my he goodness, be, this, he, this he literally would be canceled, be canceled bro. He literally mm -hmm. be, be. You know what they would be calling him right now? A coon. Yeah, look, they literally would be calling him a coon right now. Part. It's people who ain't slaves, ain't never been slaves, and think they could tell. Because here's until, what I want to tell you. And tell you how a, a slave should think, and look, it just like it's him. just like it's white people telling you how black. But that, I digress. That's an important thing because look, look, when you when you had it wasn't just Booker T. Those schools was overfilling. Like even at the right. end of the book, he like it's twice as many people trying to get in the school. Right, you got white right. people, black people supporting mm -hmm. it. All this stuff. Right. So, so you talking about a whole community of people, a whole generation of people, and I know there were other sides to the argument. We'll talk about that at some point. Facts. But there, but you had a whole generation and community of people who were living out this message. So they also yeah. agreed that this needed to be done in harmony, whites with blacks, mm -hmm. like focusing on these things. All right. So here's the mm -hmm. last thing I want to say, and we can get out of here because we could talk about this all day. We've been talking about it all week. Um, and I know we probably missed some good points. The last yeah. thing I want to uh, point out is that, you know, they had Phelps Hall. Um, Phelps Hall oh, was yes. their Bible training school. Yeah. And this is what he said. This is where student, he said it was a non-denominational, even though the school is non-denominational, this was a, um, this uh, training school was where students are prepared for ministry and other forms of Christian work. So. Thanks. I just want to leave and have y'all give some final overall thoughts and also thoughts on the fact that with, with not just this message, but also his school, this Tuskegee school that they built from the ground up, literally like yeah. it was based on out agriculture, your industrial trades. And let's not forget that the school was literally founded on developing people to be practically ready for ministry and other mm -hmm. forms of Christian work. So I just want to mm -hmm. give y'all the final um, thoughts there. Um, let's start I'll, with Doug and then we, um, I'll say, I'll you say this. You, you always got the whole secular and sacred, you know, argument, you know what I mean? Yep. So Booker T there was no such argument and to Christ, to a lot of Christians throughout the centuries, throughout the, the, the millennia, was never that was never an argument. Everything you did was done unto the glory of God. That's true. Everything you did. So to him, in order for you to be a real rounded individual, you had to be able to be self sufficient, have a, have have some kind of a skill, and to be spiritually trained. Uh -huh. You had you had to be a, that's that's what a Christian is. He was producing great Christians to go out into the communities and change them. 
That's what he was creating. I love it. Yeah. Matt, what you got, man? What you want to end us with? Hey, he actually nailed it. I can't even front. Um, the, to be able to have that foundation of, um, you know, biblical principles, because that's what, that's all Booker T was about. Like, mm -hmm. if you listen, if you, if you read the book, he's not, he's not overtly like, yo, uh, mm -hmm. I need, you know, y'all need to be in church every single day. Mm -hmm. He been in church every single day. You know, mm -hmm. but what happened was it was more he was he more lived out the principles of the Bible versus preached it. Mm -hmm. So which is not a bad of course not a bad way to do preach the Bible, but which way a lot of people learn a lot more is by application. You mm -hmm. know, so by application he was able to teach the students, he was able to teach the faculty, he was able to teach uh the, the white folks in the north and in south, um, not just by word but by deed as well. Um right. Speeches that he's given, you know, he actually mastered a way to be able to um, satisfy both audiences, and not just because he, you know, that's not that's something that he needed to do, but that's something that he wanted to do. He wanted mm -hmm. to bring unity into into um, into the world. Like he mm -hmm. wasn't trying to be separate anymore. He wasn't trying to have no no excuses um, uh, uh, from coming from slavery. He didn't want black people uh, uh, complaining and having a victim mentality and he didn't want white people um, thinking that uh, everything was fine and dandy. He wanted yeah. them to know like there is progression that needs to happen in the world. Mm -hmm. And this is the way we get to it. But at the same time, black folks, let's not be the victim and let's try to work in unity with, you know, with our counterparts. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of bi biblical principles that he used in the book without even crazy seeming like he preached like, but he really did preach at the same time he really was his life yeah. was preaching bro yeah his life was preaching and what i loved about it man was like really piggybacking off of that was like he really just didn't feel like it was necessary to do it out of hatred and as mm -hmm. believers you look at like jesus forgave us all for our sins right like that's what makes us save like and mm -hmm. i think some of the character of people um Again, it's easy for me to tell you what I, you should have did as a slave because I didn't live it, right? Mm -hmm. And just like I'm sure a mm -hmm. hundred years from now, it's gonna be people saying, "Oh, I would have never stayed in the house because of no virus." I don't know. How yeah, they let it's gonna be people like, talking yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, right. but it's gonna be people talking like the, that. The last thing he did that I just do want to mention, man, is like what what I really loved is that this was a man that was about his community and about his people and uplifting them. And I don't think anyone could argue that even if you disagree with his philosophies and what his doctrines mm -hmm. and belief are, you can't deny mm -hmm. the fact that the black people that graduated from his school and the people that he helped along the way. Right. He established the national national Negro business league. Right. So he was mm -hmm. also a person that when you talk about these practical things that he okay. did, he he established these organizations, schools, and things like that. And and what I really just want to say to all the believers out there, man, like whether you white, black, yellow, purple, whatever it may be, like we've all been through our ups and downs, but like let's stop arguing about these things that don't matter. Let's stop arguing mm -hmm. about like like we know that black people been done wrong in this country. And mm -hmm. a, a lot of people who just can't admit that, you're holding yourself back from being right. able to actually help and you know be a believer but then also for the black people those of us who can't let it go like we can't get past it you had people who were slaves and they were letting it go like they were literally, literally letting, letting it go, it go bro. and they literally it. letting it go because we all know just like people talk about their exes all the time just off principle 
you know you got to let that ex go in order to move on at some point. You can't live your right. life based on that ex. So don't let them hold you back. Max, Matt said it earlier, like, there was a point in the book where he talked about the same thing with Frederick Douglass where, you know, yeah. some white people had did him wrong and his white yeah. friends started apologizing. He was like, don't apologize for me. Nobody, nobody can degrade me. They nobody can tell themselves. me who I am. They're right. Like, it's a fact. So, so if we live off that, if we live off of like, yo, it's the people who are prejudiced or racist or the people mm -hmm. who are uh, developing hatred for white people because of what white, like it's all hatred on both sides, Democrat, Republican, Thanks. all this hate and separation. Thanks. We got to, yep. we got to put Christ at the center of this. And that's the Amen. only way it's going to change. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Well, I appreciate y'all boys for jumping on. This was amazing. I know people got kids crying and you know all type man, of stuff yeah, probably yeah. that you got to get yeah. to but y'all don't think i had y'all on mute for about <laughs> man listen i had y'all i had y'all on mute for about 20 seconds for about 20 minutes man ah uh, man i love y'all mike boys, and mike are trying to go crazy y'all right y'all go get y'all kids man y'all be easy bro i'm bringing about to bring them kids over to you hey man, what you doing dog they finna come over there dog Ah oh, man, <laughs> whatever. All right, man. Can we stick together to help us stay alive? See, we don't take pride in our own tribe. This is the modern day underground railroad. But where's Harriet? She's in the Marriott, and they ain't even married yet. Her cross is getting so heavy she can't carry it. Leaders are the free. Pages that I've written in scripture, you'll be a